Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to guest episode 137 of Good Humans Podcast with my man, Ryan Hubbards. This guy is an absolute legend, has grown one of the biggest breath work and community movements in Australia. And I'm sure you guys are going to love this episode. It's called Cool to Be Conscious, and you're going to learn all about it in this episode. A big thank you to our sponsors, Drinker Rapper. These guys have been taking care of my brain and so many of yours for a really long time. If you are interested in taking a bit better care of your brain and having a product that can improve brain health short-term and long-term, head over to drinkerrapper.com, use the code GOODHUMAN. You can get a big 25% off all their products, but most importantly, you can learn about the neuroscience, the studies that have gone into this stuff, and learn about the really special ingredients. It's basically a black currant juice with a few other ingredients like L-theanine and a pine bark extract from over in New Zealand. All natural, absolutely delicious, and you guys are going to love it. So use that code GOODHUMAN, big 25% off over there at drinkerrapper.com. Also, if you want to learn more about the Good Human Factory, the mental health workshops I run for corporates, um, I've done workshops with Apple, Telstra, McDonald's, Amazon, Red Bull, a whole bunch of big companies over the last couple of years, as well as plenty of small companies as well. So if you have a group of people, anything more than about 10 or 15, up to a couple hundred, and you want to inspire them to take a bit better care of their mental health, to develop a bit better understanding and some really positive habits they can implement super easy into their day, head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com click on the workshops tab and we can send over one of our info packs also with high schools i just did my first one of the year today and it went off amazing 250 staff at a school up on the gold coast they loved it to kick off their year and get their mind fired up so use that um link over on the goodhumanfactory.com check out the workshops also you can check out all of our merch the what are you grateful for be kind to your mind and a whole bunch of other really cool designs use the code podcast for a big 25 percent off everything over there Okay, today's episode, Ryan Hubbard's Cool to Be Conscious. Wow, this is a movement that if you haven't heard about, I suggest you go and check out. I went to one of their um, Cool to Be Conscious mornings in the Australian tour that they're currently on right now, and it was crazy. Burley Heads, 2,000 people came down, ice baths, breath work, community engagement, just special stuff. The following week, he went down to Sydney with his crew and did 3,000 people. And he's been working his way around the country. So it's crazy to see the impact um, Ryan and his team are having at Cool to Be Conscious. But it was really cool to get to know Ryan's story. I love this podcast, how we get to know people a bit more than what they're up to right now. Ryan's someone who I've been following for quite some time with his journey with Cool to Be Conscious. It's kind of been happening quite similar timelines to the Good Human Factory. So I've loved watching his growth and the impact he's been having. But getting to understand his story was really special. He grew up over in New Zealand and yeah, had a pretty tough upbringing to be honest. Bit of um, issues with his father figures in his life with stepdads and yeah, just kind of didn't have much stability and structure which led him down a bit of a destructive path as he said throughout this episode at times. 
And yeah, he found himself in some pretty precarious positions. He then found Breathwork and Far Out. It's been really special to hear the impact that it's had on his life, the learnings that he's had, the journey that it's taken him on. And then, yeah, brought him over to here, Australia. He's been over here since 2020 and started some of the most incredible community movements I've seen. 3,000 people down the beach doing free breath work and doing ice baths and doing community sort of opening up reflective exercises is just something really special. And the ripple impact is just, he'll never know how big it is. So I loved getting to have this conversation. If you get inspired by this episode, if you learn anything that you think somebody in your life might be inspired by, do me a favor, send this message, uh, send this episode onto somebody that you think might get something out of it. There's so many really impactful stories throughout here. And yeah, I'm sure you guys will all really enjoy it. Do me a favor as well. It takes you like one second of your time and it actually means a lot to me go and hit the five star rating on apple or spotify if you haven't already hit that like or subscribe button and yeah as i say most importantly share it on your instagram or just tell a friend about this episode let's jump into it welcome to good humans podcast ryan hubbards how you going brother yeah good man so so to be here mate it's, it's been a minute i know it's been um it's been a long time coming this chat i feel like we've connected it through socials probably maybe back in 2020 yeah, 2020, like right when this podcast started, you um, are the founder and sole owner now of um, Cool to Be Conscious, an incredible movement, making people more conscious of so many things. And um, yeah, super aligned with the work that I do. And we're both the same age. We're both trying to impact people's lives on the, I guess, global scale, but really importantly here in Australia on the Gold Coast. And yeah, it's been um, a long time coming, this chat. We've been sort of back and forth on socials trying to connect and we're finally doing it. So how you going, mate? Finally doing it, man. Um, I'm, I'm really good. And it's, it's, as you said, it's been a long time coming and really pumped to, to meet you in the flesh. And, you know, there's there's so much that we can take from social media and, and see across the screen, but all about this human to human connection and, and looking forward to developing that now that I know that you're here in Palm Beach on the Gold Coast and I can't can't wait to see what we can, you know, obviously chat about, but moving forward and collaborate in some kind of way as well, because as you said, we're looking to just help people and, and better people's lives. And that's, that's obviously started with ourselves in a way and, and that's how we're sharing it. From, from that place yeah man and it's so cool like other young seeing other young men do it there's such a stigma i think especially through your 20s to go down a certain path and be doing a certain thing which i'm sure when we go through your story you've done plenty of i know i have as well but also building that consciousness to it and understanding that there's more to life than what we generally kind of get fed through the media through our friendship groups through the expectation almost of being a young Aussie male, especially in the groups of friends that I've been around for a long time. So it's nice to meet other people trying to break free of that and inspire others to do the same. But the first question I ask everyone is, what are you grateful for in life right now? Big question. I'm, I'm grateful for power, to be honest. Um, just power running running electricity through our, through our home. We, we here on the Gold Coast got smashed with a massive weather front just over Christmas and we lost power for 10 days and we've only just been reconnected back into the mains as of the last 48 hours. So right now I'm, I'm grateful for power, which I know for some is just quite small, but it's very significant when you don't have it. Yeah. But for some it's quite massive too. We are obviously it makes you recognize how lucky we are here in Australia and in a first world country to have access to electricity 
when it goes out for 10 days, you really start to notice it. Eh? What was it like 10 days without power? Oh man, the first, the first 48 hours were probably the most challenging as we didn't have a generator on hand and I had to get the ute fridge up and running pretty quick and shuffle everything frozen into the fridge and make it work. And I didn't have the correct setup. So I had to like keep the vehicle running and then you're, you're burning through diesel and it's not a, not the, it wasn't the best setup. So it was, it was quite challenging at, at the beginning and, and a lot of neighboring homes as well were challenged with defrosting frozens and yeah, it was, it was quite full on to be mm. honest. Um, it's all the things that you don't think about like washing clothes and to say it very silly like the dishwasher you gotta hand wash your dishes again and it's a practice that i like to do at home is, is manually wash my dishes but my girlfriend likes to use the dishwasher <laughs> it's the first thing that she said i'm not gonna use the dishwasher and i was like well babe we're back to manual labor now <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had a dishwasher in like three years yeah. my last place and this place i live in doesn't have a dishwasher so i know all about that i quite thing. like it yeah no i do too it's a, it's a great practice and a meditation but Honestly, it was it was the washing machine that was a big mm. challenge because after three days you start going through your washing and then you start smelling and, and everything's wet too everything. from the storms. Absolutely, and it's very humid and damp as well. So without air conditioning, it's it was really hard to stay cool and stay dry. Everything was just really damp and humid and, and quite, I guess, suffocating in a way as well. Um, with the heat, like we had a big heat wave whilst the storm was rolling through. I think it got to thirty seven degrees. Um, at one stage here on the Goldie, so it was it was hot. We had no air conditioning and no um, running water or way to wash our clothes. So it was it was a challenge. There no running water either. Yeah, no water stopped as well for a moment. So wow, like, yeah, it's crazy the things that we take for granted. It's like I guess it'll give you a good perspective heading into this year of okay, hundred percent. Life's pretty good sometimes. Absolutely. Speaking of that, while we're recording this, this is the first episode I've recorded for this year. Any New Year's resolutions? Anything that you're working on this year that's different or any different habit or value or something that's front of mind when I say that word, New Year's resolution? Yeah, I like that. It's it's a great prompt for me to reflect. And the biggest thing for me that's been coming up is creating a, a tighter inner circle and being a lot more Ryan you know, in the space that I'm in. I've got to be the leader of this movement. I've got to be and hold myself, I guess, um, in a way on a tight tight rope in terms of making sure that I'm in integrity, I'm in alignment, I'm embodied in what I'm sharing and teaching. I've got to be quite um, professional in ways as well. So this year, my intention is to bring more Ryan from that space and that aspect of myself because in the seriousness and in this, um, I guess, more responsible version of me, I've lost the essence of Ryan. And like, what does he want to do? I've been so focused on what I'm doing for the community, what I'm doing for the practitioners, what I'm doing for the people. But I've really lost, I think, the excitement to do things for Ryan. So this year, my intention is to bring more of the Ryan-ness through and forward, as well as create a really tight circle of inner close friends because I've got this really wide spectrum of friends in my outer circle, so many people that are around me that are supporting and are part of this amazing movement. But... I lack a really tight group of people that I can be like, yo, come for dinner and kick it and have some really deep, meaningful conversations, but also bring some lightheartedness and throw some banter around. So my intention is to create a really tight inner circle this year. You got a friend in me, have some good good um, dinners with some deep conversations. That's what I'm all about. We have a pretty special friendship group, me and a few of the boys here. So we'll have to catch up for dinner. I love what you said there, this idea of being you again. I feel so similar. 
and it's funny, a lot of the work I do talks about this idea of my whole identity being so wrapped in Cooper the Pro Surfer. And now I've gone from Cooper the Pro Surfer to almost it feels like I'm Cooper the Good Human Factory guy. And it's like I've almost lost my identity again. And it's like, what do I do that's for me? Like I love playing golf. I love surfing. Like all of these things have got stripped back to the bare minimum so I can maintain this movement, like the good what I'm doing with the Good Human Factory and maintain the community and maintain the responsibility that comes with that when you've got thousands of people that not rely on you but expect you to give them your all at all times you forget that you have to give yourself some and that was a big one for me and we we're talking about this um we just went to Riggs recovery and did an ice bath and a steam shout out to the crew at Riggs um and we we're talking about that idea of burnout and it's like so apparent like I even I did a podcast about it right before to finish the year and I was just like I need some time off. I'm exhausted. I need some me time. I need to actually stop. What what's your what's your kind of take on burnout? Oh, bro, it's um it's wild, man. It's like this um, loyalty that we have to our mission, and sometimes we put it in front of our own personal needs. And I'm one that is constantly doing that. I'm constantly looking after myself last. I'm I'm, I'm wanting to create a thriving, nourished community that is that have events to go to, that have community to go to, that have the end of the week stillness for themselves after a big week. And it's really interesting because people in these fields of giving and being of support and service usually provide a service for people that they're needing the most. It's a direct reflection of what we're deeply craving, right? So that's like the embodiment piece that I'm needing to step into constantly to make sure that I'm embodied in my practice. Mm. But I do slip up sometimes. I do push my boundaries and my energetic capacity and then I end up in this state of like complete burnout and then I'm no good to anybody luckily now I've got practitioners within the communities that are being of service rather than me doing it in the community constantly mm. as well I've got the ability to bring in the team now but I still have so much going on and I do lead myself into the state sometimes of neglect and I'm like man I haven't actually had a massage for a while or I haven't had a day off for a long time and, and it's like this concept of not working a day in our life but also working every day in our life now that we've found our purpose and our passion <laughs> like i work every single day it's not like i work nine to five monday to friday i work every day and it doesn't stop yeah. because it's what i do and what i love the discipline is and, and what i miss sometimes and lack is giving myself the ability to switch off my phone switch off my laptop and actually go and be ryan go and play golf go and play tennis mm -hmm. go for a swim in the ocean go for a surf and it's those aspects of me that I'm really craving and looking forward to being a part of more in this, this year. Mm. Um, because for, for the last three years, I haven't had a hobby. I haven't done things that I enjoy. I've been so purely focused on building cool to be conscious. I've really lost all those aspects of life and mm. man, it was, it was gnarly. And when I reflected, I had this moment of like, it was almost quite confronting of like, you've lost yourself mm. like in this process. And Yes, it's because I'm doing something amazing for the world and it's beyond Ryan and it's beyond myself and it's great. But in a way, it's like, it's it's scary because you're actually losing part of your human experience that you came here for, mm -hmm. which is doing the things like playing sports, socializing, adventuring. Mm -hmm. I haven't done any of that. So over the last few months, I've had a few... Um, I would say moments of transition where I'm now focusing on implementing some of that. Like I 
got my tennis racket the other day and went out for a hit with some lads that I hadn't really connected with before and it felt so good to be in that environment and hit a tennis ball and picked it back up and I'm like man it feels good to have a sweat and play some sports so this year same as you I want to pick up some golf clubs I want to have tennis I want to learn to surf and it looks like I'm in the right place yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. we're gonna be good mates we got, yeah. I've got a cool community of yeah. some good fun activities to add to add to the hecticness that both of our lives are it's funny when we we're talking on the walk back from the recovery session I was like we live such similar lives in our own little way but I'm um, I'm really excited to get to know your story because we've lived very different journeys but now we find ourselves on the Gold Coast doing different things but somewhat similar before we get into it can you just real quickly just before people so they know what they're going to get at the end of this chat so they stick around let um let everyone know what cool to be conscious is and what the movement is and we'll catch back up and go deeper into it at the end yeah amazing beautiful um so in essence it's it's really for me i'm i'm trying to create a space for my old self my old version of my old self that was so resistant to stillness so it was just re resistant to being with self very close-minded. I didn't want to learn anything that was outside of my close spectrum of field of, of knowingness. And I was so caught up in my own little world. But deep down, I was craving to know more, to learn more, to feel more, to experience more. So I'm, I've created a, a movement that stands for breaking down the stigma around consciousness, around becoming more self-aware, emotional intelligence, mental clarity, mental understanding, but also performance with breathing and it all kind of ties in together and we've created this community that tries all these different ways of living ways of thinking ways of being in a really fun environment that's not like super serious and super heavy and dense it's like really playful and that's the main i think source of cool to be conscious is these stillness sessions on the beach it's an awesome vibe you're on the beach to start with you've got the ocean roaring around you it's a great place and then we take people through these flows, which is all about connecting with other people that are like-minded, as well as slowing down your own mind, slowing down their own busyness in your head for a moment in time and just to find some stillness for yourself at the end of a week. And it's something that is, I feel so untalked about and unspoken is the importance of balance in life. And you and I can both resonate with the fact that we're constantly going a lot of the time and that, and that yang energy. Mm -hmm. And what this is all about is bringing a little bit more yin and a little bit more softness and and i'd say feminine energy into your life and then rebalancing that um that seesaw out a little bit and, and i guess that's the whole concept of could be conscious is creating more balanced and connected human beings mm. with themselves i love that man and, and that just creates this effect of making a more conscious compassionate kind human being yeah. for the rest of the world Mate, I love it. It's um, I've been to a couple of your sessions actually. I think I met you once at one. You probably don't even remember years ago, at Burley. Might have been your one year birthday. Oh, yeah. I reckon I came to. But yeah, now it's crazy to see the tour that you guys are going on, which we're going to catch back up to all that. But as I've told you off air, Good Humans podcast is um a similar format for everyone and i love just getting to know people's journeys because i feel like people can relate if they hear oh your upbringing was a bit like that or oh, your school was a bit like that oh that's what you did after school and look now you found yourself in a position which i'm guessing after now listening to your intro talking about how much maybe you've lost yourself through building this business that some quite often people i think see the work that we do and go oh you must like love it and which we do but it comes with a lot of sacrifice so I'm excited to hear the journey that's got to where you are and then the vision for where it's going to go. So let's um let's go back to the start. Were you born? What was life like as a kid? Any siblings, family life? 
let's just talk up to you went to high school what i need to know about your upbringing yep. that'll sort of explain a bit about yeah, who you are amazing um as you all, all of, may have heard through the audio there i just took a deep breath because yeah that's a journey to reflect on man and you know our, our early childhood really shapes us and our individuality as we are now stepping into our adulthood and what we do for a living and, and how we be as a human and man my upbringing was was it was beautiful and challenging in many different ways i i was born in christchurch new zealand and was with my mum and dad until the age of three they split when i was three years old my sister was born when i was three and a half and she was going through some really challenging health issues in that hospital and mum decided to leave my dad my biological dad at that time um, soon after I was diagnosed with a disease in my left hip which is called Perthes disease and basically what happens in the early development of Perthes disease is that the hip the hip joint basically dissolves the, the blood circulation cuts off to the hip bone the whole hip kind of disintegrates or the, the ball the ball and socket the ball disintegrates the socket stays strong so I was diagnosed with this disease at the age of three and a half four years old and they had to break the femur put a titanium plate in I had early surgery when I was a young kid um, so it was a challenging few early years for me when I had and I was operated on especially in school um, my first year of school I spent in a wheelchair I was bullied and pushed into trees and all sorts by other kids and I, I, I look back and and I reflect on it and um, I never really thought much of it but when I started to become more emotionally aware of myself I recognized that that actually impacted me really deeply and the friend that I had the best friend that I had at school my first year of school had hearing aids and he used to get bullied as well and um, we hung out together and we stuck together and uh, I spent a whole year in that wheelchair and then once I could once I had built enough muscle up again I could I had I learned how to walk again. I was on my crutches at school, and I I can remember breaking free from my crutches and running my first cross country second year of school, and it was a huge thing for me as a kid. and And I don't often talk about the resilience that was formed in my earlier years of life, but I, I really can now recognise how important it was for developing my resilience now mentally and physically um, through pain and hardship. Um, so schooling was was always really challenging with with my hip playing you know tag and stuff I could only run for a certain amount of time then I'd be sore resting and not many people could see the suffering that I was partaking in because it was internal I didn't have like a cast on I didn't have anything that was physically obvious from the outside I just had this um, issue with my hip and what the disease does is it basically disintegrates the hip joint it grows back whilst the titanium plates and holding it together and then over several years the body's just so incredible. It grows back a completely whole new joint, um, which it did. And that came out when I was 11 years old. So grew up in Christchurch, had my earlier challenging few years there. And then we moved to Kaikoura and started living with my granddad. And my mum was going through some hardship with partners. And I remember just kind of going between these different men, and which was always really challenging because me and my sister, we wanted to feel as safe in, in a home Loved and stability yeah yeah, yeah. and, and, and mum really didn't have that we didn't have much financial stability it was I can remember it always being really challenging with money the money story is, is a big one for me and um, it was always hard um, our, our earlier years me and my sister were always 
I think really um, really hard for mum to look after because of the challenging environments that we were in. We always just we couldn't trust people. We struggled to connect with people because we didn't know if we were going to be there for five minutes. We know we were going to be there for ten months. It was it was kind of this unsettling time. My biological dad. Um, he was doing his best as well. We got to see him every, like, there was like once a month at one point, and then it was a little bit less throughout those earlier um, kind of 10, 10, to, 10 to 12 age bracket. We, we really saw him. We lived a lot further away, so it was kind of a disconnect there. And we never would see him. Um, it was always a really challenging time because he didn't really know how to act with us and we didn't really know how to act with him either because mum would always say things, would hear her story and, and dad would say his stuff and then it, it got even worse when mum started seeing my now stepdad um, who we were with from the age of 11 through to 18 years old and he was a lot more challenging to deal with and um, my, my biological dad had, had lots against him and then my stepdad had lots to say about my dad and my, me and my sister were always torn and this like emotional turbulence because all we wanted to feel was a family, you know, and a, and a, and a family that worked together. And I always had the enviousness when, or jealousy when I would stay with friends and I'd have this amazing family dynamic going on and we'll be sitting around the dinner table and, and I'd always have in my mind like, man, my family's not like this. So I grew up in this, I would say deep sadness and real deep of yearning for family for a mm. long time. Um, my mom met this guy, my now stepfather, at the age of 11 years old. I was playing good golf as a kid as well, back over in Kaikoura, and um, we moved homes to go and be with this guy over in Hampton Springs. This is where the country comes in. And um, mom got with this guy and started seeing this man, and, and you know, me and my sister were like, is this gonna be the guy? Or is this just another guy that she's gonna see for a moment? Um, there's a lot that I'm missing here, but I just want to give okay, like a yeah, quick yeah. overview. No, um, it was challenging, just full stop. Finances were challenged. Mum, mum was always challenged. I remember always being babysat. Mum was always working three to four jobs trying to make ends meet. And then we met this farmer who mum is still now kind of worth and with not worth. It's a really also a challenging dynamic to explain. But he was, I guess, in a way, our security for a long time, financial security. He did well. He's a farmer. And uh, mum seemed to be into this guy. And, you know, I was in support of that. And we started farm life. We started living on a farm with sheep and beef and, and heavy machinery and tractors. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, that was a completely different way of living. We went from living in the city to living on the farm and moving cattle and chasing sheep and being on motorbikes. And it was great. It was really great. But what we didn't recognize was that this man just had a, a very low lack of self-awareness in terms of emotional understanding and how to be a dad you know and we just got thrown this massive responsibility of having a new woman but also having the kids of this woman too which i feel for him now because that's that's challenging you know mm. and i look at that kind of dynamic and i empathize with him and, and he was doing his best but unfortunately it, it it led me and my sister into a really challenging state we were i'd say abused in many different ways um, whenever i would be emotional well, i would always be told to pull my lip up and drink a cup of concrete and girls cry and and when I used to try and express myself through clothes and my hair he'd always um, I'd say 
diminish me by calling me gay and a faggot and, and these kind of words and it was it was really hard because I then started to really repress myself and, and not express and I then started to form myself into a version of a, a boy or a young kid that would be loved by him. I was just craving this guy's love because he was like my new dad in a way. Um, I'll talk about my biological dad in a minute, but I was shaping myself to be like this guy, super unemotional, unemotional, super rigid, worked hard, um, didn't know how to connect with people, quite introverted. And I built myself up into this version of myself all the way through until 18, 19 years old. School was, in a way, my only outlet to express and feel normal. Um, at home was always, I was always quite scared to be at home. And it was always work revolved and there was no like family time. There was no holidays. Like we went on one holiday throughout my whole, the whole high school experience. The high school experience, we went on one holiday with them. Wow. And we had one family, it was one family gathering that we had together as a family. All the rest of the time was just work. Like you work, you do work. And I got grilled hard work when I was, you know, through those early ages of my life. And it did shape me in a way and it did create this resilience. But what it did do to me, which created the catalyst of my awakening journey was it created this like calcification with my emotional world. And I, I couldn't express, I couldn't open up. And it led me into this really compact, concreted feeling of like rigidity and discomfort, just constantly irritated. I now look at it as like severe anxiety. I had severe anxiety and severe discomfort being in my human body. And it led me to finding ways to adapt and cope, which was alcohol. I started drinking when I was like 15 years old and big amounts of alcohol and to the point where I'd, you know, get blackout drunk and and escape my world for a moment and and it worked it was what i had to do to cope with what i was feeling because i couldn't express how to express mm -hmm. it um, but unfortunately the body started to catch up and i started to have more issues going on with my physical body and i started getting ill and then i found other ways to escape that which was drugs which was sex and i went down this quite deep dark kind of turbulent um tornado mm. into the, the darker places of life Is that um, the last couple of years of high school kind of yeah it was there and then it was couple years that was the beginning that was the beginning i i kind of escaped that um place by having a massive argument with my stepdad and we had a big falling out and it got really it got really scary and i, I left i went traveling and maybe we can talk into that a little bit further but really what shaped me in those years was the lack of ability to express and then I left I started my early adulthood trying to do it on my own and 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 failed in many different things when you which, say you left is it so you finished school yeah you've let gone to like live on your own somewhere yeah. with mates and yeah. working jobs what were you doing for work once yeah. you left and had this falling out yeah the first thing I did when I left was actually reached out to my dad and my dad is a painter and he's a, he's a painter by trade, very well respected painter in, in Christchurch. And he, of course, offered to give me some work. And I was like, I'm gonna live in Christchurch in the big city and and be a painter. And I started doing that, I started working for dad and I didn't enjoy it, I actually, I hated it. I hated every minute of painting. Because prior to that, I was sitting on a tractor for 10 hours a day. I was, I was making good money as a kid and on the farm. 
um, and it was pretty easy to operate machinery. And, and now I was painting, sanding walls, filling holes, and I didn't enjoy it. Mm. But dad gave me a means of way to make it work and, and make some income. And I lived in a house in a flat. And um, my inner child or my inner uh, expression started to come out in a really unconscious, um, I would say, negative way with sleeping with women, with drugs, with partying, with alcohol, to the point where I nearly, we nearly killed ourselves, me and my friends nearly killed ourselves in a massive car accident, which should have been a wake up point for me, but it wasn't. It should have been the, the punch in the head that was like, hey man, you've you got to change your ways, but it wasn't. We ended up drink driving in this super fast WRX and we lost control at 160 kilometers an hour in the middle of the city. We wrapped ourselves around a power pole, took out, took out a street light, wrapped ourselves around a power pole, um, and we were lucky to walk away from that. Wow. Um, How old was he? It's about 20. I was 18. 18, wow. 18. So I left school when I was, I left school when I was 17, worked for a year on the farm and then left. Um, yeah, fell out of school because I just wasn't enjoying it. So I left yeah. early and, and the farm life, I thought I was going to be a farmer, yeah. take over the business. Um, but yeah, the city life for me was a place that I just self-destructed. Sucked into a vortex. Self-destructed. And um, and then at the end of that, just had a little bit of a falling out with my real dad because he wanted me to be a painter. I was like, I don't want to be a painter. I kind of left that and I went traveling. And I went to Europe and had a crazy year over there and spent all my savings and again, ended up in this place of financial hardship and illness and um, come running back home. I come running back home and I tried to uh, work again on the farm for my stepdad again and I think I did six months and we had another falling out and I left and I came to Australia and I started driving tractors here in Australia in WA I sat on a tractor for eight weeks I made $16,000 in eight weeks driving tractors 12 hour shifts seven days a week with that money I drove around Australia and I moved to Cairns I started um started my dive master internship as a diver I saw my I saw some guys that were from New Zealand that were scuba diving. It looked like a great time. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to do this dive internship. And I did that for nine months and I got my internship. I'd done my dive master cert and I was living there. I was happy. I was probably the happiest I've ever been in a really long time. I got a girlfriend and I was happy, man. And had this job that would, it supported me in terms of my hip issues. Mm. I had no weight on my body. I felt free. I was underwater. It was quite meditative looking back. I was happy and then I had the destructive injury of blowing my eardrum out diving and I was told that I'd never dive again wow. and that for me was the, the big spiral downwards into the darkest days of my life where I'd lost my dream job and my girlfriend at the time was Canadian and her visa ran out so she had to go back to Canada and so I lost this girl that I was with for a year and a half and um, I just lost my dream job and now I'm recovering from ear surgery in this house that wasn't of support for me at all with another flatmate who was on also work cover not working so the environment was pretty gnarly and when I look back bro it got dark like we were me and my flatmate were betting on dog racing or horse racing with our work cover money and we'd just drink 30, 30 can of um, I think they're called Dobros double browns beer we'd just drink all day and we did this for like two weeks straight I went into this pit man and we'd go out at night and in the weekends and I'd have one night stands and I just like wake up feeling this is after breaking up with my girlfriend because she had to leave and I just drank myself and yeah took myself into a really dark place um, 
and because I couldn't fly home I was stuck I couldn't fly because of my ear and I was just stuck there and I just went into this pit of depression I'd say really deep depression and it's like 22 23 um, this is when I was yep 22 years old and um, and at the end of this recovery when I could finally fly again I was like look all right, I've got to go home to New Zealand and I've got to see my family and um, mum flew over for my, my surgery operation in Australia but it wasn't enough to support me through what I was going through and, uh, I got back home and I was like, all right, my bread and butter, let's go drive tractors, let's make some money. I was financially stressed because I was spending my money on a freaking dog racing and horse racing. Yeah, yeah. Got back to New Zealand and um, started driving tractors again, not for my stepfather, for another for another industry down in Christchurch. And um, I started having all of these accidents in, the, in these heavy machinery. I started hitting gates, I started hitting troughs, and I'd never done this before in my life. So like my, my ability to judge distance was thrown out because of my ear surgery. So I lost all my balance. I had to learn to walk again at one point and um, had no ability to, to judge distance. And I started having all these terrible little accidents in the tractor and the my, the boss was like, what's going on, man? I'm like, I'm just struggling to concentrate, eh? And he's like, this, I'd worked from for three day, uh, three weeks. I was doing the night shift. I was working from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m., which was <laughs> fucking me up as well. And and one day, this was the, the finale of this event and this job, I was in this tractor, 25 tons of machinery, and I lost concentration for about 35 seconds. I was looking back at my implement, and I felt this doof. I felt this impact. By the time I turned around from looking back at my implement, I was half I was half dozing. I turned around. I'd driven through a fence, put my foot on the brake as fast as I could, pulled up, and I was about two meters away from directly driving onto a busy highway. In a huge tractor moving traffic both ways i stopped and the front of my tractor was literally about a meter and a half two meters from going onto the traffic and i just stopped there and um again i couldn't express emotion man like, all i wanted to do was cry mm. and um i didn't know how to cry i didn't know how to cry because of all of the the calcification through my you know younger years of, as an adult and didn't know how to cry i didn't know what to do and i just i got on the radio and i just radioed my boss and i said hey man i've I've stuffed up big time. I've really stuffed up. And he's like, what's going on, man? And I was like, I've just driven through a fence and I've, I've nearly hit the traffic. I don't know what to do. I froze. I froze, man. I just sat there. And uh, in that moment, I realized that I can't do my bread and butter job anymore. This is what I was good at, operating machinery. Like, what am I going to do for a, for a life? What am I going to do for a living? Like, what can I do? Um, and it was scary, man. And, I, and like, I left that job that day and... You know, my boss was like, yeah, man, this is, this is getting dangerous now. And I stopped and um, I had to come home and reflect on what was next. And I guess that was the beginning of beginning of starting my journey more outwardly from what I would always go back to, which was farming, which for me was the easy option. Um, and I went through a cascade of different jobs and ways to make an income from here. I, I become a, t a kayak tour guide, which was cool. Open water kayak tour guiding in Kaikoura. I love that, it was a great job, but my depressive essence was really hard to bear and I couldn't be this energetic outgoing tour guide because I, in my internal world, I was really struggling. Um, and then I went to PTang, I done a personal training um, course. I worked at this retail store hunting and fishing for a whole year. I sold dive equipment because I loved diving. Obviously, I was a dive master, but I couldn't dive anymore, so I sold the equipment. I talked to people about diving. I lived through them. 
I was like trying to come back to that feeling. Worked in retail, done this personal training course because I, I felt that that was the next thing. I was like, I'll get this label, I'll get this title and I can help people. And, I, and I'm somewhat respected in an industry. I've got some kind of personality, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I'd done this personal training thing and I applied for an F45 job in Mount Monganui. And I got the job as an F45 instructor. Moved up there. This for me was exciting. I did a whole year in retail, which was not fun. I, but I, I promised my uncle that I'd do it because I had nothing on my resume. I had nothing on my CV other than tracked operator mm-hmm. and dive master that I couldn't do anymore. So I was like, I'll do this year in retail. And I did that. And I was in the trenches for that whole year. And I, I would, and again, the, the environment wasn't helping me. There was in a flat that was surrounded by drinking and drug culture. And I'd, I'd do that. And I'd show up to work dry, like still drunk and hung over some days. And it was... It was hard and yeah, it led me to Mount Maunganui, man, and I started personal training at F45 and that was like the beginning of the uplift for me and um, started working as a trainer and basically lied myself through that whole system for eight months because what I mean by lied was I wasn't happy, man. And E45 mm-hmm. instructors, these yeah, energy yeah, that yeah. like, hey, God, yeah, keep going. Yeah, like, yeah. And I did that and I lied to myself for eight months of like, I'm happy and I wasn't. And again still just addicted to drinking and going out and that was my way to escape um there's a whole lot of another half of the story that i i feel that I'm, i may need to reflect on just to give people more i guess we'll have a part two we'll have a part two we'll, we'll Man, catch so up much again to talk about. we got so much we can chat for hours but, I know. that was that was the makeup of the foundation of me like early adulthood was challenging um farm life didn't work out I got rocked in the, the tractor, my ear injury, my ear surgery, F45 instructing, just kind of just lying to myself about how happy I wasn't. And then it led me into having these severe panic attacks, which was the catalyst of the journey for me. The panic attacks come from being really unwell. I overdosed on MDMA one night, had a seizure, ended up in hospital, chewed my face apart, my tongue was bleeding, I had my mouth completely got infected and I couldn't even eat solid foods for three weeks I was drinking through a straw at my auntie and uncle's place that was a big part of the journey that I don't talk about that still didn't wake me up what woke me up was the panic attacks that I just mentioned before the panic attacks having this physical ailment where I felt paralyzed on the ground couldn't move hands were cramped got tetany blew in the face friends thinking I was dying that was the wake up call for me that's what I had to get to I had so many other moments I was hospitalized many times from drugs from alcohol, from severe tonsillitis, on steroids. This is this is through the years of 2017 to 2019. Hospitalized many times, operated on steroids, overdosing on drugs. But nothing, nothing worked. That didn't wake me up. What hit me was the panic attack, and then that was the moment where I said, "Hey, I could have died here, and I thought I was gonna die." And that that woke me up, and then the journey began, and I started to look at my life a little bit more objectively and start reflecting on how I'm operating, what I'm doing. And the first opportunity to have a conversation was with a psychologist and she really gave me a sense of faith that I could change. And she said, the first thing that you need to do is stop drinking. So I did, I promised myself, I did 12 months of sobriety and fuck bro, Changed best 12 months of my life. The first three months was really hard and I started coming out of this like deep, dense fog with this darkness after the first three months and that's where I found breath work and meditation and Jay Shetty Jay Shetty was a big catalyst for me like a monk yeah yeah he helped me a lot he helped me a lot and I guess uh, that that was 
I guess they're the ingredients to sparking. How'd you find breathwork meditation and Jay Shetty from this dark place? Was it a bit of advice from your psychologist? Thank you, by the way. I reckon that was the longest first I haven't had to talk to in my podcast. You tell your story so eloquently and there's so many challenges that there's obviously been and it's so beautiful to meet you at this part of your life and be able to see you at what seems like your best and in a place where you're making such beautiful impact after such a dark time and a broken upbringing and challenge after challenge and travel that went well and didn't went well like there's so much and then to lead to where we are now in the story I just love because I think this is why I love going back in podcasts because I know there's going to be so many people listening to this who are in that right now Mm -hmm. or in a part of your journey at a different stage of it right now and they might you might be there Jay Shetty because I'm excited for this next little part of your story that's going to be yeah understanding learning about being more conscious of what we do and there's a great quote from this um book and movie called the peaceful warrior have you seen it it's good i get my practitioners to watch that it's It's part of your homework it's so good be conscious of your choices and take responsibility for your actions like that's all you need to know from that movie and it's just like and it sounds like that year off alcohol it's like there's another good quote that I love from Jocko Willink. Um, he's like a Navy SEAL guy, and he's and there's a book that he has out called it that says "Discipline Equals Freedom," and it's like so many of us think we're free because we can go and drink, because we can go and do, do drugs, because we can go and party, but the real freedom is when you can say no, and it sounds like that's when you started saying no is once you started to actually find some real freedom in your life. So yeah, tell me how you found breath work, meditation, and um, yeah, got on top of those panic attacks with the year of sobriety. Yeah, man, it was um, it was in the beginning of 2019 when I first discovered mindfulness and what that was. You know, I'd seen things online. I'd seen groups doing yoga in the, in the park in Christchurch and stuff. And I'd always like judge Judgment, and criticize yeah. and be like, losers, mm. what are you doing? Exactly like, who's like got, your who's got time stepdad that? would say to you and you're, you know, you're just right? copying the patterns. Copy and paste. And that's where all of that judgment come from. It's mm. from him, super atheist, super against any kind of spiritual understanding, religion and connection to to self. Um, but no, the first person that I searched or found was Jay Shetty because I basically searched. I heard, I heard about this concept of podcasts and know what they were. Frick, if I knew years before that, I would have spent all those years in tractors listening to podcasts, but I just listened to shit music. <laughs> um, I searched inspirational speakers. And the first person that popped up was Jay Shetty. So I just listened to Jay Shetty and man, the resonance of his voice, the softness, Mm. the calm, the safety that I felt was just like so holding for me. My relationship with the masculine with men leading up to that was always really, it was, it didn't exist. Mm. Separation from my dad, my real dad, who like, maybe I'll talk into this later on, who I've really reconnected with. I love and my relationship with my stepdad's still really gnarly and he's the one that created I think the drive in me to create change in the world which I'm now grateful for thank mm. you to him but I lacked a lot of trust in men um, because of what I saw and what I was a part of um, but Jay Shetty for the first time I was like man it's the new version of man good. Mm. yeah this was really good and I feel I really supported by this voice and um, I just started listening to him I went back into painting I, I quit at 45 and I started painting again because I knew how to paint. It was the only thing that I knew how to do other than personal training, which I wasn't enjoying. So I went back to painting in Mount Monganui. And I loved it. Bro, I loved it. And the, the reason why I loved it was because I wasn't drinking anymore. So I wasn't getting that irritability. And I started connecting with myself via breath, via meditation. And I started to enjoy my own company. 
and it wasn't just a process of overnight no it was a process of two two to three months of going through the first initial shit that was on top of my surface my surfacing emotion and then I really started to enjoy the time with myself I started to enjoy painting I ended up painting for a whole year and I loved it but during that year all I did was listen to podcasts Jay Shetty clocked him finished him and then I found Aubrey Marcus Aubrey Marcus was great and I found Lewis Howes he was great Mm. Um, and it just developed more and more into this like spiritual understanding as my own connection with myself different ways to view the world yeah absolutely self-development books were that that kind of wake up for me I was like I'm going through a pretty challenging time my identity and I was like where do I look and I was like screw it I'll just read self-development books and you start like the way I look at it is just different ways to view the world. Absolutely. We view the world through the lens of the people that we've grown up with. And let's face it, your, your upbringing is a great example. There's far better role models to look up to, but sometimes you have to manufacture them through listening to podcasts. You don't have to have that connection with the person. But like you said, just the voice of a man that has this softness to them opens your mind to, oh, Maybe I can be like this, not like this. Absolutely. That guy looks way happier than all the men in my life. 100%, bro. Mm. And I was, just for more context, for those that are listening that can recognize and understand what anxiety is, I was I was someone who could not sit still for freaking two minutes. I could not be on my own for more than five minutes. I had to constantly be with other people, mm. be distracting and talk and like I couldn't shut up and I was just like the loudest person in the Anything room. Anything to block out. And then when here. I was drunk, I was even the loud, more loudest person in the room. That's like when my, when my expression was really trying to come forward. Um, but around friends, I would just be nonstop yapping. I'd yap their ear off because of my discomfort in myself and my body. So when I started to find breath and meditation, I started to really recognize that, oh man, this place can be actually really enjoyable to be in, being my body, being myself. And I started to become friends with that feeling and, and recognize that, man, it doesn't need to be the way that it was. And I can change the way that it feels with these modalities. And breath was the first, I think, tool that really gave me that feeling of peace and calm and mm. faith in my life. And the first exposure was Wim Hof. Gave Wim Hof a go, sat in my room in my flat and I gave the Wim Hof method a go and it blew my freaking rocks off. I felt calm. I felt electric. I felt not like I didn't feel like I was my no. body mm. I, I felt I felt like something else I felt something else I can't really put it into words I felt something else and it felt so peaceful so calming and so energizing at the same time in those in that stillness in those holes was just pure space mm. and that's that was the catalyst and then from that moment I decided doing Wim Hof every day and I went to a few of his workshops in New Zealand not Wim himself but other Wim Hof instructors and they were incredible. And Nigel Beach. Yep. Nigel's. Nigel Beach. Nigel was the first. Mm-hmm. Um, He's been on the pod. He's yeah. a good friend of mine. Legend. Legend. And he was, yeah, he was actually a big influence for me at the beginning as well because um, he was the guy on the scene in, in Mount Monganui in Tauranga. And I was just frothing all cold, cold exposure and breathwork now. And Nigel was the guy. So we chatted a lot. We hung out a lot. And um, yeah, man, shout out Nigel. I'm excited to go over to New Zealand and see him. And he was the biggest catalyst for now not wearing shoes. I don't wear shoes. And me and Nigel are always tagging each other in our stories on Instagram, running up Mount Monganui with bare feet, and people think we're crazy. And that's where that come from. But mm. um, yeah, it started there. It started with Nigel. It started with getting the ice bath there, and then just trying to find other things because because cold exposure made me feel really great. Breathwork made me feel really great. And I was like, what else? 
Um, so then it was like ocean swims, cold dips. It was like grounding. It was getting into nature. It was being still in nature. And it kind of just eventuated from there. Um, but breathwork was, for me, the biggest catalyst in my awakening journey, full stop. You know, I just, that whole year of 2020, I just, I guinea pigged myself through all different ways of breathing. Searched, researched, developed my own understandings. And I just did it. I just mm. took myself through all these journeys. I look back now in hindsight and I'm like, okay, that was probably pretty dangerous to put myself in those positions. Like I'd, I'd go into a three-hour holotropic breathwork guided YouTube By experience yourself, on yeah. my own <laughs> and just go. And I would get into some really confronting states. Um, my flatmates thought I was dying at times. My flatmates thought I was like going through some kind of exorcism. Um, that was the body purging. That was energy coming through. And I'd always just say to them, hey guys, I'm just doing some breath work. Don't, don't open the door. Like, and they would leave me. You know, when I come out, they'd be like, you're good. I'm like, yeah, I feel amazing now. Or no, I feel a bit fragile. Um, whatever was alive for me at the time. But I just breathed myself. Um, and I started going to some other workshops from other breathwork practitioners. Soma practitioners in New Zealand was quite a popular thing. So we did some Soma stuff, which is a range of holotropic um, breathing and sound incorporated. So it's a really cool journey um, type of breathing. And that was fun. And then I explored all the deep, deeper kind of, um, yeah, holotropic breathing, the different, I'd say, um, pranayama practices more day-to-day practices and just like got myself immersed immersed in it right and I was like immersed myself in it for the whole year and then um, at the end of that year is when I started to share it with friends and that was the beginning of Call to Be Conscious and that whole journey itself but um, that whole year was my year of de-ridding all of my resentment anger and rage frustration sadness and grief that I had towards my stepfather in particular he was the biggest he was the biggest like catalyst of my trauma and then of course all the sadness that I had for not having family not having my dad there when I wanted him there not having my mum there when I wanted her there, not being held and supported when I wanted to be held and supported and then I recognized at the end of that was I've got to reparent myself I've got mm. to hold myself through this I've got to come to a place of compassion for my my parents and gratitude for my parents not resentment and anger which I was holding mm. towards them for a long so time that shift from victim mindset it's like as hard as it is to admit for some people, it can just be a mindset shift. It's a choice. And it's so hard sometimes to choose not being the victim, but it's so tiring being the victim. And quite often people you can see just go, like you, it's time. I don't have to put myself through this anymore. And sometimes it does. And like you've had so many opportunities and lessons throughout your journey and challenges that could have led you there. But it's just a timing thing, isn't it? And then you that flip and like, yeah, look at you now. Look at the business you've built, the community you've built. So let's talk about now a little segment of where Cool To Be Conscious came from. Is that what the name was when you were doing it in New Zealand or is that once you got to Oz? Yeah, that was once I got to Oz. Back in New Zealand it was... Yeah, because um, let's talk about the story, what got you from over there yeah, to here. it was Ryan's Brickwork in New Zealand, which is very simple. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was Ryan's Brickwork and I started in Mount Monganui where I was living at the time. I'd gone through, there's a bit of a story that I've kind of missed and that was transitioning out of the flat in that environment that wasn't being of support because it was party based. I built my van through that year of painting. I built this van out, I bought the van, I built it. Every day after work I'd come home and I'd just get on the tools and start building it. But I wasn't a builder but I just, I built this amazing van and um, by the end of that year, I, well, halfway through that year I'd moved out of it, started living in a van. 
and then I started um, running these events on the beach well I started with my friends in Christchurch five friends and they loved it and then it eventuated it got bigger and bigger and bigger I built this community in Mount Monganui and I was just sharing from my heart I thought it was working for me and sharing the practices that had helped me and it was being received so well just sharing my vulnerability and, and learning what vulnerability is and learning what emotion is and learning to dance in between that I think groundedness and that vulnerable masculine energy is a real fine line and learning to play off that and um, yeah man so it developed over there I built this community and then I connected with Rue online Rue's an old school friend who grew up in the same area on the farm and they were basically neighbours and he was doing some stuff over in Australia very similar fascinating breath work studying too and we were kind of bouncing off each other and, and he started doing the same thing running group stuff and we were working together like oh man what worked for you what mm. worked for you and we worked like bounced off each other we're the only ones that were in this kind of space together and um, he's like now I'm taking them through these like I, we, I put them together I partner them up now and then I was like alright I'm going to partner them up too and then how many questions are you going to get them to answer this is where the whole connection thing come from and then we found three questions that works really well and we built that kind of framework and he was doing his I was doing out, I was doing mine and then we just we're just frothing together like so excited whenever we chatted and um, I looked back and I was like man that was just really impactful for the journey and like just to fuel with each other and bounce off each other then it got to a point where we were like let's do this together let's do this together and he was like oh man I'm not going to come to New Zealand and I was like well okay I'll come to Australia there's more people over there to impact like let's share this message and um, yeah man I basically packed up shop I sold everything I owned and I left to Australia and, and then COVID hit and then COVID hit <laughs> <laughs> well, COVID was already happening. Also, COVID had already happened, so this is the end of 2020. Yeah, this is the end of 2020. Like. Right into 2020. Yeah. Um, it felt like it was coming back. Like, yeah. you felt like life was coming back yeah. to normal at one stage at yep. the end of 2020, and then it... I got on a green zone flight, which was meant to be fine, landed in Gold Coast, and like, hey, man, you're going to be locked up for two weeks. Oh. I was spewing. Anyway, that was, the, that was the beginning, and then Ru and I got together, and then, like, Two energies, two hearts, sharing the same message, just amplified everything. I saw it. I watched Ru, it from yeah, the outside. Yeah, yeah Ru went from 50 to 70 people there. We we had like 200 within three weeks. And it went boof. And it got real. It got real, real, real fast. Um, and then we were like, what do we call this? At the time, it was it was Ru's name, which was Ru Conscious. And um, we're like, we need to create a, a, a brand name together. And mm. we started like, you know, playing with names and... Call to be conscious came through. It just came through strong. We're like, let's do it. it. The whole idea behind call to be conscious and the name of it is trying to make yeah, cool to be conscious. Call to be conscious. Call to be more aware of yourself. Call to have deeper connection with yourself. Call to have deeper conversations with other people. Call to know and understand patterns and behaviors that aren't serving you in your life. That was where it sparked from. And, and now it's been this like avalanche man that we've been a part of trying to just steer it in the right direction it's been a self-growing movement that has just taken off mm. people are now recognizing the importance of being still and like bringing stillness into your life mate i love it let's talk about now just quickly what a, a call to be conscious session looks like what do you guys do now it's been three years growing um, a lot of changes have happened the past 12 months. I don't know if you really want to go into that, but let's just talk about what you do with Cool to Be Conscious and we'll yeah. kind of wrap it up there because I want to, um, we'll have another chat soon and maybe do Amazing. something that's a bit different because I, yeah, there's so, I just want to go into a lot about your knowledge and your stuff course, that you can teach, but I feel like, well, uh, no, we're 
going to have time for some knowledge. We'll throw some knowledge in. Awesome. Tell me about what awesome. you're doing the, um, in the Cool to Be Conscious yep. session. Someone rocks up on a Saturday. Yeah, give us a bit of a rundown of what Cool to Be Conscious really is. So the whole, the whole concept is to create a space for people to connect outside of drinking, outside of the normal nightlife world that is going to be and create a positive effect on your health and wellness and, mental, and your mentality. Um, so if someone comes down, we drop in, we create a bit of time and space just to really settle into the nervousness and apprehension, close down the eyes, welcome everybody in. Yeah, so we have a big group of people on yep. the beach. Oh, I mean, there's going to be 2,000 on the Gold Coast this week when we're recording this, which I'm excited for. But usually, let's say 100 people yep. come down the beach with their towel, yep. they sit down, yep. don't have to know anyone else there. Yep. Then what do we do? Yeah, absolutely. So then we just... We guide everybody through this opportunity to meet somebody new. So we connect the community together. So we basically pair everybody up with someone they don't know or may know to the least. And then we prompt three questions to share. Questions that you don't usually talk about in day-to-day with or with the person behind the register or the person at um, the stoplights or whatever. Questions that are a little bit deeper than your normal conversation. Like, you know, what's been the most impactful part of your year so far? Um, or what's been the biggest challenge of you so far. Just things that prompt a little bit more depth. Um, so you have this beautiful conversation. Usually people go through a bit of nervousness and then they leave this conversation feeling connected and potentially with a new friend. So the whole idea is to break the ice like that before we drop into breath work. And we guide people through a really gentle breathwork flow that gives people the ability to have a minimal effective dose of the feeling of breath. It's enough time to slow down the brainwave states into a low beta slash alpha, which is a lot more meditative. Put them into a meditative state as a byproduct, and then people just get to be still. They get to lay there on the beach, and we just guide them through that practice. We get people fall asleep. We get people come out of that practice going, "That's the most still and relaxed I've felt in forever," and that just is this whole catalyst to a whole host of benefits in terms of sleep quality, mental function, connection to self, energy. Um, and they leave the leave the session feeling really light, really excited, and we finish with a. A big circle, and then we go for a swim, and then it's like, hey, have fun, see you next week. Amazing. Yeah. So you don't do ice every week, those no. ones. So they're just the connection Saturday communities. Yep. So there's, what major cities are we in now? Where can people, if they want to get involved, come yep. to? So we're we're in Gold Coast is our main one. We've got Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and Perth, and Cairns. Um, so a few locations to pick from. They're the main focus right now. That's every Saturday. Every every, every 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 second Saturday at most. Every second. every Saturday on the Gold Coast. Okay. Because it's like the home. It's like yeah, the yeah, hub. So we course. run every Saturday here. See. Um, every second and most others. Yeah. Amazing. Let's talk about some of the other offerings you guys have now too, because I know obviously you've got these locations all around the country. You're doing it all yourself now. Yeah. How do people become practitioners? What does the um, course look yeah. like to be able to come become someone who gets to host yeah. these things? Yeah, great question. So, the program that we're offering is quite diverse in the space of breath work it's a more in-depth protocol there's a lot of courses that you can do overnight now basically three a three-day online program this is 11 weeks so we go into the depths of understanding ourself in a much more um, intimate setting we've got a holistic psychologist that joins she kind of breaks down um, holistic psychology in correlation to breath work We've got Drew, who's an addiction coach. He's amazing. And Drew Wilde? Yeah, Drew Wilde. He's been we've on got, the podcast. Oh, in fact. <laughs> we have a lot of connections. Yeah, we're good, man. And then we've got Reggie Ra, who's a subtle energetic somatic coach, who talks about the subtleties and the connection and conversation that we're having with our body constantly. The feeling, the felt sense. 
So they run the first six weeks of the course. It's all about inner standing self. And then I run the last six. It's all about breath science and physiology, how we hold and run these sessions. Then we come together for the most important aspect, which is the in-person immersion, five day, four nights. So we run these programs twice a year. The first intake for this year is already full. We've got a few spaces remaining for the second intake, which starts in May. And we cap those at 20 people because for me, that's a number that I can make sure everyone is integrated, supported and held through to the depths that they need to be held and supported through because it's a, it's a big experience. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. You're not only learning more about yourself, you're going into experience the spectrum of breath work, which offers a lot mm. and it needs to be really well supported and integrated. So that's why we've got 40 people through every year. Yeah. And we just make sure that the practitioners are over supported, over cared for, and over looked after. So they come out of the course ready to rock and roll. So it's like an 11 week Zoom, or like virtual yep. online two live. hours live a yep. week. Yep. And then a five, four day, five, no, five day, four night experience is part of that at the end. Everyone has to travel yep. somewhere and come to that. Yeah. Wow. All in person. Yeah. So the, the, the online sessions is actually it's actually quite intense and that's different to your retreats that you do as well yeah that's different they're separate um so the the online aspect is actually monday wednesday and a friday okay they run between one one and two hours okay so So it's a lot of online content yeah yeah um and it's important there's so much to share and learn about not only breath but about self yeah and um i believe that the diversity that i've created in the course with laura reggie and drew just offer this wide spectrum of learning yeah because you know we all learn in different ways and from different people different you know there's people on this podcast that are listening right now that are like resonating with men and there's others that may not be mm. and that's why it's important to create diversity in practitioners it's why the whole practitioner training course come online yeah i was like i can't do this on my own and i can't impact people in corporate as well as someone in corporate could or i can't and and i can't impact someone that's in the medical field as well as like a doctor that could go into the medical field and share this message so that's the whole reason for this is diversifying the message, diversifying the knowledge and breath so we can bring this to more people. Right. I love it. It's something that I've, um, yeah, been so fascinated in for so long. Different books like James Nestor's book, mm-hmm. Breath, is like unbelievable. Spending some time with Wim earlier last year was super yeah. cool to get to do dinner and catch up with him and yeah, feel his energy and the wildness of his life. Of and that's when I met Nigel through Wim, through kind of a friend of ours like I met Nigel and Wim and like have now become good friends with Nigel like the community is just so interesting of people who are like oh there's more than just the insulated community that we grew up in like our reality is such a pinprick of what is possible if we're willing and open-minded enough to challenge what we know and like one of my favorite things that I've learned and um, I learned this from there's this lady Dr. Nicole LaPera the holistic psychologist on Instagram she's got a big following she's huge she's huge but I read her book and she talks about the fact that like you're not your thoughts which is a pretty first level I feel like when you start learning about self a bit more but she goes on to talk about you're not your self beliefs (laughs) and when I heard that I was like oh it's so true it's like kind of the way that when we were talking about before your stepdad would be like that and then you were like that it's like that's your self belief but it's like I'm not my self-beliefs. I've learned them somewhere. I can unlearn them. And I find that so interesting. So hopefully people listening to this who are like, you know what, that's not me. Like that breathwork stuff, those community events, not really feel like me. Give it a try. You'll be blown away by like the connection you might make with someone, the connection you might make with yourself. And if not, like it's the smallest commitment really to come down to one of your guys' sessions sure. to learn more about the work that I do. Like there's, there's just so much out there if you're willing to look for it. Mm-hmm. 
Lastly, I just want to talk about a bit of the physiology and benefits maybe of breath and ice. We um we jumped in the ice bath this morning and did sauna and you were talking about not doing steam because of fungus. So I feel like you've got such a deep knowledge. Give me a um give me a weekly routine for you, what you do for your health and why. Mm-hmm. When it comes let's talk about exercise, nutrition and recovery, i.e. breath and stuff. Like what are your non negotiables? On a on a good week, you feel like you've ticked your boxes. What do you do over a seven day period that maybe people can learn from and why? Yeah, nice. I've been um I've been really slack over this festive season. Oh, um, too. I and, and really off. slack, bro. And you know what? That's led me to is is feeling really unmotivated, and really disconnected from myself. And I'm like, freaking, of course, I'm not doing my non negotiables. I'm not doing the practices that make me feel good. But sometimes doing nothing is doing something. I'm learning. It's like it's learning to sit with the yeah, absolutely. That it's okay to. Oh, do nothing for a minute but there's, yeah there's balance in the reset hey but once once you kick off this year you find your routine again yep. your motivation what's what's it look like so in the mornings i'll do a really simple breath practice that i do with jess and it's not an activating breath it's actually the complete opposite so it's hypoxic training so we're bringing more co2 into the body to bring blood flow to the brain to assist assist with cognitive function so those that are listening now, you can probably give this a go if you, do, if you want to. But it's on the next exhale, hold the breath at the exhale for 10 to 15 seconds if you can. And then take a normal breath a normal breath back in through the nose. In this process, what we're doing here is we're increasing the CO2 levels in the blood, which offsets and releases more oxygen into the blood. Which then basically floods the blood, floods the brain with more blood. So it assists with cognitive function and it also diffuses any brain arousal. It's a wild um, concept because we think that we'd function better with more breathing, more more air. But in fact, it's the complete opposite. We should, we will, and we are functioning better with less air flowing through our system, more oxygen uptake, more CO two in the system, which is so counterintuitive. We think CO two mm. is the baddie, but it's actually the goodie, mm. which is what we've come to realize over the last years of research, especially through Patrick McEwan's work, is incredible. Um, so that's a, a really simple flow that I do every morning. Just, to, just a few out breath yep. holds. So holds, literally, it's so simple. You can all do it. Literally sit there on a chair or whatever you're doing and you just exhale, hold in a normal breath, not controlling it, hold at the bottom. For five to, five to ten seconds, you'll feel this like feeling of ear hunger build. Mm. That's when you know it's working well. And when you get that feeling, just breathe in through the nose again. And what's happening here is we're holding... Nitric oxide is actually forming in the nasal cavity as well. And when we breathe back in through the nose after the hold, nitric oxide is diluting our alveoli in our lungs and our nasal cavity. So you'll feel an opening. So anyone that's struggling with a blocked nose right now, give this a go too and just witness the nasal cavity open up and you'll feel this enrichment of air coming in through the nose. So I do that for five minutes in the morning with my girlfriend. We start the day with it and it's such a good practice to connect with each other. And to start the day with this flooding and relaxation to the brain. Um, so that's a good practice to do and try. I don't know if you could feel it, but you can instantly feel the blood flow mm. to the brain. It's like a warming sensation. Yeah. So that's like, for me, what I'll start the day with. I'll go, I don't have a cold plunge at home anymore, but ideally in my ideal world, I'll then jump into a chest freezer full of cold water for 30 seconds to stimulate the sympathetic response of the body. It also increases testosterone. Cold and shower. Cold shower is a good alternative. Yep, mm. cold shower, jump in the cold shower. 
Um, and as men, we know that we we strive and thrive off high testosterone levels. So increasing our um, resilience in cold water at the beginning of the day boosts our testosterone. So then to the gym, I move my body for about 10 to 15 minutes. I do super functional movements, no like big heavy weight stuff. I do some pull-ups, some dips, some lunges, some kind of hip opening exercises, some handstands. 15 minutes max, and then I'll head into the sauna. I'll sauna three to four times a week, and I'll finish with a cold plunge. Sauna's really, so I do dry saunering, a traditional sauna. It's great for detoxifying the system, getting the body really hot and sweaty. Infrared sauna is, on the other hand, really good for sleep quality because it cooks you from the inside out. Whereas traditional just gets you sweating, gets the body moving, like activates the lymphatic system, which is our drainage system. Mm. So in the sauna, I'm sitting in there, I'm sweating, and I'm actually just gently rubbing my hands across the outside of my skin just to open up the pores and to activate the lymphatic system. And you'll start sweating even more. Great signs of a healthy lymphatic system is the ability to sweat instantly when you get into a sauna or into a steam room. If you're sitting in a sauna and you're not sweating or you see someone that's not sweating and they're completely dry and they've been there for 10 minutes, you know that their lymphatic system is completely blocked up. It's not a good sign of health. Mm-hmm. So we want to sweat. We want the ability to sweat really easily. Um, talking about sweating, it's getting hot in here. Isn't it? Yeah, I know. We're, <laughs> we're getting close to the end of the um, episode now. All right. So finishing with the cold plunge is really important because we get and reap all the benefits of thermogenesis. So cold plunging, I'll get... From, from the sauna, I'll jump out of the sauna, depending on my nervous, this is like, this comes down to, de- down to discernment and self-awareness. Mm. Saunering, we're putting a lot of stress on the system. Hormesis, it's positive stressor, which is great. But if our nervous system is bent up and we've had a really triggering week or a really emotional week or a challenging week, energetically, the sauna's gonna be a lot more challenging to begin with. You'll notice that because you'll feel throughout your week, some saunas are really easy, some are really hard. You're like, what's happening there? And it's our threshold within our nervous system and that window of tolerance. So like if it's really hard and you're like, man, I'm really struggling, you know that your nervous system's a little bit on edge. So when I get out of the sauna, if I'm feeling that way, I'll cool down more naturally rather than shocking my body and getting straight into the cold. So I'll cool down naturally, get into like a lukewarm shower, slowly wind it to cold, and then I'll get into the cold plunge. I'll sit in the cold plunge for three minutes. So three minutes, you're getting all the benefits of thermogenesis. So what kind of is going on here as we are entering the cold water is the body's going into a, a, sh- a shock state, which is our sympathetic response. What's the most important aspect of cold plunging, and this is for anyone out there that's listening that cold plunges, is to control your breathing, to not let yourself go into a hyperventilative state, because if we lose control of the breath and we start <sighs> in the cold, we're actually causing more harm to the body than good in there. You may as well not bother with the cold plunge at all. And I see this with so many cowboys out there I'm going to say cowboys they've like been to an ice bath event and they're like I want to run this now and then I've like started a business doing cold plunges on the beach or whatever that are doing this I'm seeing people jump in these baths with the lack of facilitation with a lack of awareness about the importance of breath that are getting in there hyperventilating having this experience yes getting this like endorphin release and excitement because the sympathetic response is so online but your nervous system getting smashed you get out of that bath and your body's not wanting I'm not going to want to get back into that thing. Mm. There's so many benefits in the ice if we adapt to it, if we create self-control when we're getting into the bath. So breathing, closing your mouth when you get in, 
just nasal breathing as soon as you get into the bath and just slow it down as much as you can. A really awesome thing to do when you get into the bath as well, just to, to, to bring in more relaxation is put the face into the water. Um, a mallium dive reflex kicks in pretty much instantly. So if you can hold your face in the water for 10 seconds, your heart, your heart rate will basically half. It's really incredible. So I've seen heart rates go from anywhere from 90 to 100 beats per minute to like 40 beats per minute by holding the face in the water for 35 seconds. Give that a go next time you're jumping in the ice. Mm. So what's happening in the bath, if you want to know a little bit more about the science, is all of our blood flow is going into our organs because our extremities don't need the temperature. All of our organs need the blood to, to operate and stay alive when we're in the cold. It's an important process to understand because when we get out of the bath, it's just as important to bring the blood from the organs back to our extremities. A lot of people miss this point as well. They mm. just get out of the bath and start walking around. Shake your body out, move it, get your, get your body moving again and, and spark the lymphatic system up. It's, a, it's an important thing to note. Um, adiptopocetin starts to get produced around the one and a half, two minute mark, which is an antidote to our inflammatory markers on the body. So it's really great for joint pain, um, any kind of inflammation that's sitting around the bone structure, uh, your cartilage. Um, brown fat starts to form, which is basically what babies have and, and fur seals have to keep warm. And it starts to build on the, on the base of our neck, but it doesn't actually build. We're not going to have this big hunchback and look strange. It starts to form, but in the process, white fat starts to eat away the brown fat and it starts to, the brown fat burns off the white fat, sorry. So we're shredding. Mm. So it's basically boosting our metabolism. We are shredding white fat in the process. And this process can last for up to six hours after cold plunging. So this takes place at the three minute mark. If you're in a temperature between five and 10 degrees, if you're in 10 to 15, you need to be in there for about six to eight minutes same as the temperature gets warmer and warmer so people that are swimming in the waters of england have done massive research and studies that like going through these and having these these beautiful effects of thermogenesis because they're swimming in temperatures 15 to 18 degrees ocean swimming for about an hour on end and they're all shredding leaning up having better cognitive and mental function because of the blood flow and circulation that's created from ice bathing um so that's really cool um, what else is going on? Uh, lots of interesting stuff. Yeah, lots of interesting <laughs> There's stuff. There's just so There's much good research out there now. We talk about stuff. endorphins and stuff, but that's like what everyone feels. Everyone yeah. feels great, and that can be increased up to 200% as you get out of the bath. Mm. So you just feel good. You feel elated. You feel, you feel present. You mm. feel just there. Everything's colorful, and that's yeah. like a beautiful byproduct of, of cold exposure. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about my routine and structure. Um, I got to, that's kind of the beginning of my day. Um, I don't eat any food until around 12, 1 o'clock. So I've got this, I, I guess, intermittent fasting fast, process. Yeah, 6 yeah, hour fasting process. I stop eating at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's more like a 20 hour fast. Yeah, it's more, more like a 20 hour fast. Um, and I don't eat much food at all. Like I'll have a steak and a couple bits of fruit for the day. That's it. I've gone from eating three meals, massive meals, in a day to eating basically one meal and a few snacks like I've, and that's been over the process of four years of fasting and stuff you similar yeah. yeah I just don't back when I was an athlete and training and surfing a lot more I'd burn more calories so I'd use need more food mm. whereas now I'm like wake up have a coffee get me till midday medium to small lunch and then like six o'clock somewhat big dinner yeah. and that's it Nice. Um, yeah, I just feel fine. Like I don't feel. I feel like we just get 
marketed so much about all different foods so of course people are going to want you to eat more and it's like yeah i feel like i still function just fine and i don't put on weight and yeah exactly. i feel good feel good that's the main yeah. thing like people mm. some people feel good with formulas today great hey if you feel good do it yeah if you look good do it yeah. if you don't look good and if you're unhealthy don't do it maybe yeah. change it up maybe yeah. like doing something else yeah but no, you're you're completely correct around the i'd say the social um programming of eating three meals a day and mm. breakfast is most important and all the rubbish yeah, yeah breakfast is most important it's a great marketing uh, play isn't it <laughs> and like more food in the body equals less sensitivity and lower levels of consciousness in our system and your body's just working on digesting for so long it's such so a massive true. part of our yeah, yeah energy output day. yeah it's crazy put less in your body feel more yeah feel more connected man I could talk for hours with you but I'm gonna ask you two last questions Amazing. I finished with the same one with everyone but I'm adding a new finishing question Oof. this year because I'm excited I'm actually gonna give you a book because I'm gonna do this thing where you're gonna recommend me a book that I should read based on I guess knowing me a bit yeah. it doesn't even have to be the best book that you've read yeah. but you've hung out with me for a few hours now I know yeah. you're gonna have a book to recommend and you're gonna tell me why and what it is and then I'm gonna give you a book from my bookshelf as a gift for coming on the podcast, I'm going to start doing it with all the guests, asking guests to bring me a book, and I'm going to give them one off my shelf and like try and that. recycle like, I like that. things to know. So, what um, like what idea. book do you recommend me I re- reading? I recommend a book called Power vs. Force by Dr. David Hawkins. He's basically the creator of kinesiology, muscle testing. That was that was created off his concepts and his study. So he's measuring the universe and the universal laws through the body and he's put together this system that enables us to measure consciousness measure energy through kinesiology and muscle testing wow and he's basically broken down this like universal law power versus force and then when you're in your power more you're the magnet everything that you do is going to work well when you're in the force it's more of like the manipulative behavior the trying to make things happen forces more being in your power being in your authenticity mm. being in love for the world and everyone around you will receive you and want to be around that feeling because it's powerful mm. rather than the force where like someone's trying to shove something down your throat yeah. like breath work is for everybody everyone should do it yeah. where i'm like hey no you can like give it a go if it works for you great yeah. if it doesn't that's sweet too that's the power aspect yeah and you can, he's literally broken down words that calibrate positively and calibrate negatively and you can see in, in your vocabulary what you may be using that's in the force behavior and if you start to attune yourself to the power oh, conversations yeah. start flowing more people start receiving you better it's, it's incredible um, to see the shifts that happen like simultaneously to like implementing the practices of this book power versus force dr david hawkins a lot of our training concepts and what i teach is based off his work amazing it's really good to get that that's going to be on my amazon hit list yeah. straight after this and have you read the resilience project no do you know if you i've heard of you i've heard of you yeah and you haven't read it yet no. perfect it's the one book that i've got to cut doubles on on my bookshelf so i'm going to leave you with that but man this has been an amazing chat the last question i do finish for everyone is what does being a good human mean to ryan hubbard being a good human to me means having the ability to recognize other people's challenges pain and knowing that it is not yours to stay compassionate to stay in a state of understanding and empathy mm. rather than judgment comparison and 
blame. Love that. Being being open, receptive to the world, and and knowing that it's not out to get you, and it's up to us, and, and it's our choice, and mm-hmm. how we want to perceive and receive the world, and and if you can always meet opportunities and challenge with openness to be like how can I be a better person in this situation rather than use it as an opportunity to leak some potential stored emotional turbulence that's going Mm -hmm. on in your world then we're going to be better people and that's what this is all about I absolutely love it 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 just reminds me so much of this quote that I kind of came up with might have ripped it off from a few different quotes but maturity is when you stop blaming Mm maturity isn't an age thing like we kind of think when we're younger it's like oh, i'll get more mature and i'm older it's like no maturity is when you stop blaming your circumstances on external yeah. when you start internalizing how can i start taking on this life but man it's been an amazing chat it's been a long time coming i think we're gonna be good mates and catching up i'm looking forward to collaborating hopefully this year with um some good human factory cool to be conscious stuff um yeah, I'm excited to share a bit more about my story and you can learn a bit more about me as well on the journey. But man, thanks so much for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. It's been a pleasure. Man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.